Restaurant Unstoppable episode 674 with Hagup Garagosian. And even here, we're at uh, our second uh, ever open doghouse. Doghouse Beer Garden opened up eight years ago. Just had its eight-year anniversary. Guys that were working here the day we opened are still here. So that's the most important thing. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Were you aware that 89% of guests will research a restaurant online before dining out? This is why it is so important for you to be mindful of what your online presence is. Visit getbento.com slash unstoppable. And if you sign up before December 15th, 2019, you can get your first three months free after committing to 15 months of service. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. With excitement, allow me to introduce you. Today's guest, Hagop Garagosian. Are you feeling unstoppable today, Hagop? I absolutely feel unstoppable. <laughs> yes, I cannot wait to dive into your story. I know it's going to be a good one. So Hagop Garagosian is a restaurant industry professional with over 14 years of experience, uh, predominantly in the QSR and fast casual segment. He began his food service management career in 2000 with Boar's Java. After three years, he sold the business and opened Pasadena's first gastro pub, Kings Grow. In 2010, Hagop, along with business partners, why don't you just say your business partners' names for me real quick because I don't, I don't know I'm going to destroy them if I try. Kasim <laughs> uh, Riaz and Andre Venner. Thank you. Opened the, do- the, the first doghouse in Pasadena, California. Uh, nine years later, they have scaled the operation to over 30 locations. You said 35 locations with the 36 opening this this week, week yep. in this 18 week. states. Gilbert, Arizona. Man, you guys have been going hard. I uh, cannot wait to get into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. Actually, before you share that with us, I have to say thank you to our boy, Nima, for Nima. setting this up. Nima oh, is one of your franchisees. Yes. Uh, he reached out to best. me, big fan of the show. Uh, he said, you gotta, you got to tell the story of Doghouse. you, you got to get uh, one of the founders on there. Here we are. Uh, we're going to share the story, and thank you for uh, connecting me, Nima. And I am listening. If you're out there listening to the show, if you think of somebody I should get on the show, let me know. I will... I will do my best. Yeah. Well, I was impressed. He reached out yeah. saying, you know, would you be interested in doing it? And uh, I didn't think you'd be interested in having me on it. Oh, but what? I, I, appreciate, I <laughs> no. appreciated both, uh, I can't both wait. sides. Oh, yeah. So let's get into it. So I was going to have you share that success score or a mantra. What do you got for us? So uh, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I realized I don't have one. <laughs> so I actually uh, Googled it and then I printed 51 of them that I brought with me. Uh, but I won't bore anybody by reading them. But, uh, uh, you know, 
I'm a big fan of the Rocky movies, so I think it's probably it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit and get mm. back up. Mm. It's a fun one. So you took some hits along the way. We from, absolutely we, we started hits. getting into we it during the hits. pre-recording chat. Uh, I told you to stop because I didn't want too much of a teaser, but uh, we got some good stuff coming. Uh, where does it start to make sense to, to share your story? Um, when, like when, in, yeah. uh, when in our lives? Well, I think um, you know. Uh, I, I don't have, neither do my partners actually have any background in the restaurant industry. Um, we didn't have, you know, family members that own restaurants. Uh, I didn't work in one as a waiter. I, I actually, I did work as a, a bar back for about four hours once um, in college. And then uh, that didn't work out. Uh, so really our, our, uh, our business started and our venture into restaurants started back when we thought we wanted to, um, you know, get into the business and, and own a restaurant. And we bought one and, uh, 2005. In fact, on November 12th, it's going to be our 14 year anniversary of of being in the business. So you're saying we are we talking? Who are we talking about at this point in your life? When you said you, the so, first restaurant, uh, Kasim Riaz, my partner currently at Doghouse. He was my partner um, right out of college in a business that we still have. And then um, our first restaurant was with two other of our friends, uh, Shibby Dylan and Aiden Yusuf. Uh, and then Doghouse um, is now with Andre uh, Kasim and myself. Got you. So what was it that was drawing you to the restaurant industry with no prior experience? What was like the lore at this time? Um, the truth is, is we actually wanted to get into the bar business because we like drinking. Yeah. Sounds stupid. <laughs> um, well, how old were you at this time? I, uh, I had my 30th birthday. Cosmo and I have uh, birthdays 12 days apart. Um, same year. So we actually celebrated our 30th birthday. At our first restaurant, oh, which cool. was Days and Tony. Nice. So 2010, 30th. So 2004, 2015. But this is... Not Dog House, Kings Road, yeah. Okay, okay gotcha, gotcha. Um, so this isn't your first business, though. I think it's worth warranting that you were kind of an entrepreneur before this because you owned a, a powder coating company, right? Still do. Yep. Still do. So I'm assuming that that was successful um, and maybe it was what kind of empowered you or enabled you to try at different ventures is that a wrong assumption no it was right i mean we had obviously uh not obviously but we've had up and ups and downs um lots of downs and lots of ups but at the time when we decided to move into the restaurant bar space we were having a you know you know pretty good success and we felt like it was time to kind of fulfill more of a passion than um the, the business that we were in um, so, you know, in, when you're in powder coating, you see all different top types of businesses. You work with all different types of businesses. You know, we work with restaurants. Um, you know, we actually powder coated, you know, stuff for some of our favorite restaurants and, uh, you know, worked with designers who were, um, building, you know, building furniture and, uh, et cetera. So that was the only kind of, um, behind the scenes, behind that the scenes yeah. that we had, but we felt like we had, you know, something of, uh, you know, we had interest and we had passion in it. I'm, I'm also very passionate about food. Um, sounds cheesy to say. I think it's pretty... Uh, Let me help you with that, Mike. I'm gonna, there sorry, you go. No, you're All good. Right. You're good. All right. Uh, so I think it was a good uh, good fit for us to you know check it out. Turns out we were terrible at it You know, when we jumped into it. We had no experience. I always <laughs> tell everybody, I think one of the interest, most interesting things about restaurants is if you've never been in a restaurant before, even if you own it, every single person that works in that restaurant has more experience than yeah. you. Well, you've learned a lot over the past uh, what's 14 years. So knowing yeah. what you know now, reflecting back at those early days, you said you weren't doing a great job. What weren't you doing well, knowing what you know now? Oh, it, pretty easy. I think the number one <laughs> thing that we didn't, I mean, if you were going to pick a list, it'd be a, a long list. But I think the number one thing that we knew um, 
we know now that we didn't know then was you know stick to something that you believe in uh you know like i said when when we when we started the restaurant we had no experience so then every time somebody gave us an opinion about something we changed our own mind and we let that guide our our direction and uh you know, if you if you looked at what we were the day we opened from what we were a year later, we were a very different brand. That's what we learned, I think, uh, and that's what we have all kind of um, you know stuck to with Doghouse is that we we had an idea, we we you know, we had a concept from the very beginning that we believed in. And if you look at Doghouse on day one, and you look at Doghouse today, nine years later, we're the same place. Yeah. So. It sounds like you, you were still trying to figure out what your identity was. And yeah. you didn't understand the importance of having an identity and then sticking to it so you don't confuse people with what your brand is, right? thousand percent. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't come overnight. You don't. You have to live. You have to experience things to kind of figure out who you are. Yeah. Uh, so you don't know until you know. Um, so, I mean, if you're going through that same thing right now, if you're experiencing this, I mean, your first restaurant wasn't a knock out of the park. You know, it takes time. Or was it? No, I don't was- no, not even close. In fact, uh, I was listening to a podcast once with David Chang on it, and I remember him saying there was a time when he was going to open a restaurant that he knew he could fail, and when he knew that, he didn't open that restaurant because he stopped being uh, he's that that part of you that pushes to the end. Um, you know, if it's not as if it's not as serious, and it's a lot of like uh, not as a you know big of a importance in your life. For example, if we would have given up on our first restaurant um, when the business was absolutely failing. We were dumping in money every week. Um, we wouldn't have been here today. But the truth is, is that we needed to keep feeding the restaurant because if we would have just closed it, we all would have lost so much money. We wouldn't have been able to recover. We felt like we wouldn't have been able to recover. I mean, who knows what would have happened. But is that restaurant around until today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that was... That's, that's King's Row. Yeah. So when did that t- start to turn around? Um, actually it turned around after, so it wasn't King's row when we opened it. It was called Neo Meze. It was uh, supposed to be a small plates, Mediterranean type concept with the lounge. Um, we didn't stick to our guns. So when we started off Mediterranean, by the end of it, we're serving all different types of food and it wasn't really at all the concept that we had set out to open, but in the, along the way and all the failure, two of us partners, one, uh, Cosmo and myself, we fell in love with the business. He got really into the bar side, specifically beer. I got really into the food side. I went to a small culinary school in Pasadena. Um, the idea of Doghouse kind of was born where we then partnered up with Andre Venner, who's, you know, the three of us are the, are the co-founders of Doghouse. After we opened up Doghouse, we went back. We finally had confidence in ourselves and we said, you know what? I think we know what we're doing. Let's, let's believe in ourselves. We changed Neo Mezes concept. Okay. We kind of we closed it. We opened literally, I think, four days later as Kings Row Gastropub. So now it's about to have its ninth year anniversary. I mean, some good must have been happening because you guys were falling. You were still in love with it, right? It couldn't have been a completely horrible relationship if you were in love, right? So, what was it that you were falling in love with? What was what was making you continuing to show up every day? I'm out. We literally just fell in love with the business. The idea of the business was was no longer an idea. It was a, it was a, a reality, and and it's all about people. I mean, it's there's fun. There's a lot of fun to be having mm-hmm. in a restaurant when when it's going well. Um, the food is great. You know, obviously the bar, et cetera. All those things are exciting. But the truth is, the the most important thing to us and to and to me is the people. Um, if you go to Kings Row today, there's people working there that were there from when it was Neo Meze. 
and now they're still working there. That's a testament. Nine years market. later, yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, that's, and even here we're at uh, our second uh, ever open doghouse, Doghouse Beer Garden, opened up eight years ago. Just had its eight year anniversary. Guys that were working here the day we opened are still here. Wow! So that's, that's the most important thing. So, I think this is something a lot of people might who are listening to the show or I'm assuming maybe their first restaurant, maybe they're listening because they want to improve. Um, they're struggling perhaps. How did, how were you able to, to continue to show up and have fun? Even though you knew you were struggling, even though there, it was a challenge and reflecting back, you said it was, you know, it was, wasn't what you had hoped it would have been, but you still stayed positive. You still had fun. How did you find that, that ability to keep showing up with that positivity, even during the hard times? I, I wish I had an easy answer. I was telling you before we jumped on the pod that there was four partners at that first restaurant. Two of them, um, two of us decided to never be in the restaurant business again, and two of us came up with the idea of Doghouse yeah. and, and moved on and partnered with Andre. And um, I, I truly believe it was just I enjoyed working with the people in that space, specifically that are employees. And there's something really gratifying about owning a restaurant and and seeing people come in, and you get to provide them with a great experience, whether it's, you know, culinary or just, uh, environmental, any of those things are really interesting to be able to be the person to, you know, to, uh, allow guests to have a great time allows a bad word. But the, the point is like, there's, and I don't know if it's, uh, if it's as, it's not that serious, it's not that important and it, and it feels almost foolish, but it's a really good feeling. Yeah. Right. People come in, have Absolutely. a good time and, and they had a good time in your place. With the, with the things that you've created and, and the ideas that you've come up with as a group, which is highly collaborative, right? Especially with three owners. And that's, yeah. a, that's a big... And that's, that's one that's thing tough. you guys, you do really well. Yeah. Your, your team does really well. I'm sure we'll unpackage that more as sure. the conversation moves forward. But um, any lessons from partnerships during this first restaurant? Because two partners decided to go their own way. Um, was it... Uh, was that... Be- Related to the business, or was it because they just it wasn't for them? Yeah. What, what were the lessons you learned about partnership during that experience? I man, I have a really good experience with partnership because yeah. um, you know we kind of break all the rules in partnerships. Like, don't be partners with your friends. We're all fucking best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, don't work with family. I work with family. We I don't have, believe in any of that shit either. I don't believe in that <laughs> shit. I, I, I mean, if you look at Doghouse, we have uh, Andre's cousins, a franchisee. Um, Cossum's brother is a franchisee. My sister is a franchisee. My cousin runs operations for Doghouse. Uh, we work with fam- We've had our nieces and nephews work for us. Like there is, it is a massive, big family, and and I think it's actually very important to the identity of our company that that it's like that. Um, my best friend from the age of three works with us. So that that the idea of partners, we were we were all great friends, and what we did is we always put our friendship first and the other person first because we were we were good at being friends, yeah, and it was a real and, and even though we were all losing, we're all losing together, and we stuck together and, and we fought through it and so the the desire for two of my partners to not move on and, and be you know open up more restaurants yeah. wasn't anything about the partnership it was about they felt they were better at doing other things, and, and the, the truth is they've been very successful. So is that, a, is that a core value that you guys are woven into your business to put the family and friends first, or is it like an yep. unspoken rule? I think so. No, I, I think it's uh, – I think I hopefully I feel like our franchise believe that too because, you know, Nima, who is a franchisee of ours, yep. who I feel like is definitely part of the Doghouse family, I'm, I'm hoping and, and feeling he thought the same way, which is why he you know even recommended that we do this. So yeah, I do believe it's a it's a huge part of it, and, and if we 
You know, one of the things that we do, I think, better is we care for others better than we would have cared for ourselves. And, and by that, I mean, when you own your own restaurant, you know, we've been more lackadaisical than we because it's our money and, and it isn't as serious. It's serious, but it isn't as serious as if somebody else is invested in you. And yeah. when somebody else invests in you, we take that. We took that so seriously, incredibly seriously, so that we worked harder. Um, you know, we mess up and we fuck up all the time, but it isn't due to not caring. And that's and that's definitely um, what we try to not not just preach, but what we try to practice. Mm, I love it. Uh, any other big lessons we can kind of pull out of your early days before we start talking about the the vision for Doghouse and how you made it come to fruition? I mean, I think we we touched on the most important parts, which was the you know, as uh, cliche as it sounds, is never give up. We didn't give up, and be, and because we didn't give up, we were able to pass through tough times, come come across good times. I mean, there was definitely times where we probably should have quit, um, <laughs> very much so. And uh, and because we did that, and because we were able to push through, and we were able to do that. We now know when we look back. And now, now when there's adversity, we could look at it and go, there's a chance that you could push through with this. And then on the other side, there's great success. But one of, one of, the, uh, one of our um, franchisees actually told me a really funny story. He's not funny, but he's a successful um, restaurateur. He's been a you know, um, franchisee for many different brands. First restaurant he ever opened went out of business. The partner he was with said, I'll never open a restaurant again. And it was a franchise. His wife was like, let's just do one more. I think I have a great location. I found it. It's amazing. It's actually uh, in Pasadena. And he's, uh, and she talked him into doing one more. And it was such a success. He went on to open 100. Wow. And he's, and he's lived a, you know, a, a successful career. We've got to know the name space. of this restaurant group. <clears throat> the first restaurant he opened was a Johnny Rockets. The second restaurant he opened was a Johnny Rockets. Oh, okay. So it wasn't the brand. It wasn't the operator. You know, timing, location. There's so many factors. There's so many variables. Yeah, so many yeah. variables. And I think so people take it personally. They don't. They don't <clears> recognize <throat> how many things can can inhibit a restaurant from working. They, they think it's them, but it, there's so many little things that well, you I might mean, not even be aware of. Look at the most. You know, the largest restaurant chain in the world is Subway. I think the very first Subway that ever opened closed. Really? Right. Like <laughs> but they figured it out. They they learned something. They fucking right? figured yeah. it out. I mean, forty five thousand yeah. restaurants exactly. later, if you quit after the first one, doesn't work. Not not everybody has the desire to keep with it and not everybody has the um the means to keep with it Mm -hmm. but you know i I do believe that us learning that was an incredible incredibly valuable lesson i love it Uh, we're gonna take our first break to thank our sponsors we'll be right back to to dive deeper into the doghouse story Bento Box is more, much, much more than just another restaurant website developer. It is a hospitality platform designed to disrupt third-party services that come between the restaurant and the guest. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and offers tools that drive high-margin revenue directly through the restaurant website. These tools allow you to easily update menus, promote and sell events, share your press and media attention with the world, sell gift cards, take care catering orders, and much, much more. In other words, Bento Box puts you in control so that you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bento Box is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide because they empower restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. And if you head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable before December 15th, you can get three months free 
when you sign up for 15 months of service. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. And I'm not sure if it starts to make sense uh, to unpackage um, the doghouse or if it – what happened first? The the reinvention – it was a year after you reinvented the, the first restaurant, right? Yeah, so first thing was uh, was Neo Meza. Then we opened up our first doghouse okay. after we felt like we kind of, uh, you know, we started really being confident in our, at least what we believed in. Paint that we, picture of what the confidence, what what, what was what happened in, in Meza that changed, that, that helped you regain your confidence? It was really just the idea of, you know, when we opened up Neo Meza, we did it in a way that was, I think, pretty uh, um, uncharacteristic of us. We picked a concept that we really, you know, didn't really want to go Don't to. Mind me. Sorry, but <laughs> you're doing great. Uh, it keeps dropping. Out. We uh, we we you know opened something. Don't that be afraid to grab that sucker too and move it and just bring it around. Yeah, right, here we go. Yeah, you're good. So <laughs> we, uh, you know, we didn't feel that it was a place for us. Um, we also hired a designer. We did a bunch of things that we, you know, we really didn't. Uh, it didn't kind of fit our, you know, our style. So when we did Doghouse, we said, "Fuck it, we're going to do it our way," right? Mm. We created the menu ourselves. We didn't hire any chef consultants. We designed the space ourselves. In fact, because of pyramid powder coating, we built all the furniture ourselves, and we still do that today. All the furniture on this patio that you're sitting on is made by us. I love it. Yeah, by our other company. So that was it. That was like, you know, Cossum Designs, Andre Creates, uh, marketing campaigns. Um, and I think that was a huge part for us is to, um, when we opened up Neo Meze, we didn't have Andre. Andre and uh, Cosm and I were just uh, we're friends and we're acquaintances, and but we had not worked together at that level. Andre's greatest uh, skill set, I believe, is is connecting to community. Um, so when we partnered up at Doghouse, which Doghouse wasn't Doghouse at the time, we all just wanted to open up a hot dog place, um, and we just happened to be doing it at the same time. When we decided to be together and open up Doghouse, when he brought that component, I think that was a huge game changer for us because now we had you know we have our uh, design and construction. We do our, our culinary ops, and then we had marketing and finance. We have, you know, we we came together as a group of people. And we all we didn't just sit there and go, "Hey, you do this or you do that." We all just kind of came together as partners. And through that time, we started seeing who was really good at stuff. There was no labels on it back then. It was like I didn't know that Andre was amazing at marketing or or good at you know creating a community. He just did it organically. Yeah, and it and then we said, "Oh, that's a really I think good that's thing the, to the have." Natural process as we ourselves into groups into teams we naturally find our lanes yep. uh, lanes just happen naturally and i think this comes back and this is something that i i say all the time i don't think that you can be competitive today in this market without partners because of how good you have to be at so many different things and it's unrealistic to think i that don't even one want person, to know what it would be right? like to be alone yeah. and you know and, and you guys found your lanes and you have when, when you're in your own lanes that means you can put a hundred percent of what it is that you do best into that one thing yeah and think about how diluted we get as one person trying to juggle all those things uh when you can divide and conquer it's so powerful it yeah. sounds like that's one of the things that really oh, contributed to your success 100 percent. that was a big i mean other than the fact that we're great partners because we like each other like i was saying earlier same with the partnerships we've had before that part is an amazing um you know amazing to be a partner in a business like that but Sharing victories uh, and partnerships are so much better too right well i mean you know i think they say that you're gonna find you you know whether you have a great partner through great success or through great failure, um, 
we've had great failure and we've also had you know success and yeah. i think we're we know what we are both when both meaning all, all of our partners what we're good at and what we're not good at it's really nice to have a partnership where you care for each other um but also you all have a you know similar uh, skill set but also a very different skill set yeah because i don't know i mean I, I couldn't design anything and i couldn't uh create a marketing campaign for the life of me yeah um so paint that original vision for us as you guys were starting to have the conversation about why you wanted to do dogs uh what why did you think it was going to work like what was calling to you about this concept for me nothing uh <laughs> for me it was the idea of so when we had neo Meza, we had a very busy at some point it became you know why i say we're such a failure at neo Meza is it went from being a restaurant lounge to a very um you know cheesy nightclub and uh, we had, you know, we had door guy and charging cover and there was like two DJs and dancing and all this stuff. And that was definitely not a place for us. But that's what <laughs> was happening. And, and by the way, you're not allowed to do that <laughs> just because. So what used to fucking piss me off is that we'd sit there and we sometimes would have 400 people in the restaurant at a night. Wow. And nobody would order food. Ugh. And it used to drive me crazy. And I remember sitting there talking to Cosmo and I was like, every single person in this entire place is going to leave and go eat. Right. But we can't sell them a goddamn thing in the <laughs> restaurant. So I'm like, what if I just set up a cart right outside? I'll sell like burgers and whatever. And Q and we're always in college. Cossum, uh, he always used to say, dude, nobody sells good hot dogs, right? Like you either go to Costco, but no one's doing it right. We should open up a hot dog concept. And we used to joke around. He would call it what up dog and this and that. Andre's background, he's uh, you know, raised in, uh, born in Switzerland, raised in Germany. That that culture is very much so, um, you know, in in sausages, and so he grew up doing that. So when he was coming up with his idea of wanting to be in the hot dog business, it was different from ours. You know, ours was like, you know, Q like it was a joke in college that all of a sudden Costum was like, hey, we should really try it. And Andres was like, hey, the food truck scene was happening. He kind of always had the idea of wanting to get into this business because of his childhood. And so you know where our paths crossed is that. You know, when we had the coffee truck back in the beginning, which was our first, you know, it wasn't a restaurant, but our first business, our first business in the hospitality industry was, it was a mobile coffee truck. We were doing, what year was this? It was like 2000, uh, I mean, first. Five, I think I saw. Yeah, I, um, I have your, I was I have 20, your LinkedIn 20 profile years ago, right here. <laughs> 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Okay. Damn. Yeah. 20 years ago, we had this coffee truck and we used to work, we were a vendor of Andres when he was um, the uh, he used to produce the California Philharmonic Outdoor Concert Series. So that's how we met. That's how we became friends. So when he decided he wanted to open up a food truck, he called it. He wanted to call it the Wiener Wagon. He called me up and said, "Hey, I want to pick your brain about something." He had no fucking clue that Q and I had already signed a lease. We had no idea wow. what we were going to do. We just knew On the it first was location for doghouse. First location okay. of doghouse. Okay. Uh, Keep we going. Had, we had already signed the lease. It wasn't called Doghouse. We didn't have a menu. We didn't have any of that stuff worked out. But we're like, we're going to open up a hot dog restaurant. When I go and I meet with Andre, he's like, I want to pick your brain. I'm like, what did you want to pick my brain about? He's like, I want to, I want to open up a food truck. Food trucks were all happening back then, right? This is 2000. 2000 or no, earlier. 2004. Oh, wow. So this is like, you know, a booming industry in the food truck. So the but, conversation for hot dogs started six years before actually opening. Sorry, sorry. No, you're right. 2009. Okay. 2009. okay gotcha, gotcha. So 2009, um, you know, it was middle of the recession, you know, 
having a full-size restaurant was challenging. It's expensive. We got some more food at the table. <laughs> they you, have been taking care of me, I have to say. I've had uh, <laughs> half of at least two hot dogs or in a, two hot dogs or one hot dog, a sausage, a veggie the beyond, uh, the beyond, yeah, so uh, veggie, an impossible, impossible burger which disappeared slider. faster than you would. It's, even. It was impossible how fast you ate it. <laughs> yeah. And then we have <laughs> uh, there's video too. We'll we'll, we'll be, be sure to with the video. By the way, there are video episodes. Um, I haven't published any of them, but there is video for this episode. We'll have some B roll where I'll show some of the food. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, keep sorry about keep that. going with your story. Um, so you was, talking oh, so, about, yeah. so we decided that you know Andre wants I'm, to be I'm you know, get in talking. there. Yeah, Andre <laughs> wants to be in the food truck business. I'm like, I was in it. It's really hard. You know, you saw guys like Kogi and Roy Choi make it seem like it was uh, you know the the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. But, but that was because they were just grinders. They also made it look easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the amount of success they had was unbelievable. But the truth is, it's a really tough business, right? Really hard, and it's and it uh, takes a lot of work and effort. Not that anything does, but Give me some of the realities the of that, because I think a lot of people, everyone thinks, I think it's starting oh, starting to wane a little bit. Not so many people are excited about food trucks. They think it's, oh, it's going to be the, the way, it's the bee's knees. Yeah. It's not, the, logistically, it's not the easiest way to, well, to run Well, that's exactly the problem, is logistically, yeah. right? It's like, it is very hard to run an entire restaurant out of a truck. First of all, the truck is difficult itself. Um, it's hard to have an entire restaurant on a truck and for that truck to operate, you know, yeah. optimally. If that one day your truck doesn't work, your business doesn't work. Yep. Right? Where or if rest, you don't work, your business you doesn't work. If you don't work, your business doesn't work. You also, you know, whether is, you know, when you have a restaurant, you have a restaurant and you, you hopefully have people come to your restaurant, but your entire focus is to get people to come there. Mm. When you have a truck, you have to find customers and then hope they come to your restaurant. Yeah. Come to your restaurant. Yeah. There's a lot of effort um, in, a, in a way that I found, you know, exhausting. And, you know, I think truthfully, if we had different success, maybe I would have felt different about it. But, when Andre told me that, I remember going, this is an unbelievable coincidence that you're interested in doing this while Cosmo and I just signed a lease in our first, you know, and what we want to be a hot dog restaurant. So I went home that night and Andre texted me. He's like, this is a little fucking strange. Like, I think we need <laughs> to talk a little bit further. It's a little too odd that we've decided that we all just are having the same idea at the same time. Um, and we all and we're all friends, so maybe we should uh, explore this a little more. I think within the next day, we're already business partners, and we're we moved forward together, the three see, of us. This is something that I think is telling to your ability to collaborate. Even you see it here, and I think a lot of people, when they find out that somebody is doing something similar to them, their first reaction is, "Oh, f this guy or f that." Like, oh, I gotta yeah, beat the them. Like yeah. you like like they you know they're your butthole puckers a little bit when you feel like there's competition. Oh, everybody, this this not everybody, but a lot of times when people see uh, competition, they they find them to be like their enemy. Whereas I think we've been fortunate enough, not only, you know, may, maybe it shows that in our, the fact that we have partnerships, but we've been fortunate enough to have mentors along the way that were in the same industry and they were so, you know, willing to share with us experiences, contacts, all types of things that they, that they had learned that we felt like it was important yeah. for us to, to do the same. And you guys have a, natu- a, a, a natural similar passion, right? Yep. So instead of competing against each other, why not compound that energy into yeah. one cause, right? Agreed. And all pull in the same direction. You're going to yeah. have a better odd of, odds of success. Yeah. Um, so the conversation to do a, a dog um, concept yep. um, is now gonna happen how how are you living intentionally to make sure it would be a success 
Well, I think what was great is that we started, you know, uh, so Cosmo and I had been in a restaurant, and Andre at that time um, owned a restaurant called Red, White, and Blues. So he had previous uh, restaurant experience. Again, not a great success. We had previous restaurant experience, not a great success. We learned from that success what we felt would be, you know, would be helpful and what wouldn't be. And, and definitely one of the things we all um, together felt was important was to create an identity and to fight for that identity. What did that process of creating that identity look like? Drinking <laughs> champagne. I remember when I think the last the last thing that we did when we when we uh, when we picked the name Doghouse. I remember drinking a, a can of champagne. I don't even oh, wow. know if they exist anymore, but somehow I ended up. <laughs> no, I think I think they're still around. I think they're actually growing in popularity. Yeah, yeah. like wine and champagne and wine. Cans. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen a can of champagne in a while, but it was. Uh, but it I mean, you, you're joking around. You say drinking, but what you're doing is you're just brainstorming. You're trying to. You're, you're, yeah, you're we're getting just, out because who we're are friends. We, yeah, right? we're who friends. Are we? friends. What's most important yeah. to us? Like, what's the mission? You're, and you're just you're spitballing. And sometimes you have a few drinks, so it loosens you up. You, you flow more naturally. Yeah. So, what, what did that vision look like at the end of this conversation? What, who were you going to be? And are you the same today as you were at the end of that conversation? We are exactly who we were then. I would like to think better, but if you really looked at the identity of Doghouse, and even just conceptually Doghouse, we are who we were and who we set out to be then. And I think we've just gotten a little bit more refined, a little bit better at what we do, hopefully. Um, and everything along the way has improved incrementally, you know, through experiences and through trial and error. But I think if you look back at the original Doghouse, other than the way we toasted our buns, I think we look almost the exact same as we did on day one than we do today. Can you get specific as to what sp- things you were identifying that you like, not necessarily who you were, but the, the elements that you wanted to touch to make sure that you were a well-rounded uh, or rounded off identity? Did you, you picking up what I'm putting down? Like, yep. Were there bullet points that you're checking off? or were Yeah, you- I mean, we, we've never been as, as, uh, as organized as, as yeah. that, but I will say that one of our things was um, being inclusive. Um, so, you know, you just ate the Impossible Burger. Impossible Burger, although it's new on our menu, by new meaning it was, I think it's been about uh, 14 months. But we've had vegetarian offerings since the day we opened. Like, that thing that was, was freakishly good, by the way. It's shocking. It's scary. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah. I just had to emphasize. <laughs> well, and what's amazing is I think, I mean, we could talk about this for another few hours, but it's going to make people who don't find themselves to be the kind of guy to eat a, or girl to eat a veggie burger, find like I could eat a veggie burger, yeah. right? I could substitute one one burger mm-hmm. or one hot dog uh, you know a month. I think it's gotta there's I mean it's too good to be true. It has yeah. to like ten years from now we're gonna find we're out a cloud cancer. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but um I think the so being inclusive it was a huge a huge part of our our idea of the company we wanted to be. So like I said, we use you know we serve veggie products because we wanted you know, there's everybody wants to be something when they come out, and everybody want, for example, it'd be really nice to be in and out, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be simple, stick to their menu. They they don't change anything. It doesn't. It's very easy. They just focus on on being who they are. I mean, that wasn't us, right? We set out to be, you know, doghouse, and through doghouse, we want to be inclusive. By being inclusive, we we offer different uh, offerings, and I think that's just a, an example of the kind of people that we wanted to be and the kind of people that we are and the kind of uh, community we wanted to grow around Doghouse, not yeah. only in our staff and our fans and, you know, eventually in our franchisees. Well, but you, you, you mentioned um, 
doing one thing really well. Like you, you use In and Out, they do the burger, really, they burger it fries, and they nail it and they crush it. Fucking nail it. You guys uh, starting out, I mean, it sounds like you kind of have that same mentality that we want to do burger or sorry hot dogs, hot dogs better than anybody else. We're gonna own the hot dog. If you want a hot dog, there's only one place to go. It's the dog house. Yeah, well, was that so, kind of working in the back of your head, like doing one thing way better than everybody else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, we wanted to be really good at what we did, and that was gonna be. Uh, you know that was going to be something that we would not compromise on. One of the things why we thought we would never be a franchisor and why Doghouse as a brand would never be a franchise. We we had a I think a misunderstanding of what it meant to be that. You know everybody's like, oh, you're going to lose your soul. You're not going to be. You know you're going to not serve the same quality of product. And I could tell you with the most confidence in the world and obviously firsthand knowledge is that. Not only are we better at what we do, not only do we sell a better quality product than we did when we started, um, we do all those things as a franchise, and I think that is really interesting because it took it took time for yeah. us to finally. We'll get, get into, into the evolution thing. of, of yeah. how how that came to be, uh, but take us to day one. You open the doors. You're you're in business. What was it like? So I'll take you to day, um, and I'll continue minus one. The day before we opened up Doghouse, I started the culinary school. So I remember leaving the night before. It's a great time to start your what enrollment. A, what a ding dong, right? <laughs> October 19th, 2010. I literally walk out while we're finishing. I mean, we built the restaurant, you know, by our own hands. Like I remember walking out. Andre and Cosimo are in the restaurant. My buddy Abe, who's our director of operations, is in the restaurant. We're like, we didn't have a condiment station. So I had a bar from Ikea. That I'm like, let's use this. I remember leaving that night because, I, hey, sorry, guys, I got to go to, you know, start culinary school. I'm wearing, like, um, chef pants and, you know, like the checkered, you know, funky-looking chef pants. Anyway, um, Kasim was cutting out the top of my Ikea bar so he could fit in half pans to um, use <laughs> as a condiment station, awesome. which I think we used for, like, almost three years. So that was the day before we opened. The day we opened... One of our employees today actually was our very first customer. That's a really cool, really cool story. Another one of our employees is the, the reason why we smash burgers. It was his idea. In fact, the very first day we opened, we just served regular patties. And halfway through the day, he's like, we should, you, you know, have you ever thought of this? From day two on, we served burgers like that. Um, after, like in the early days, you're, you're trying a lot of things out. Yeah. Um, after the first couple days, the first couple of weeks, how much did things change from there? So things only changed by, um, I think, quality. Uh, we still serve hot dogs. We serve sausages. We serve burgers. We serve a slider. We serve fries, tater tots, onion rings, etc. Our menu is almost identical. But the quality of the beef changed. Um, the amount of items on the menu changed. It, it grew yeah. just because, uh, you know, there's a, a culture in hot dogs which is very topping heavy. And so as you start creating top, you know, getting more toppings to put on your dogs, those dogs turn into burgers and etc. Excuse me. No, yeah, you're good. Um, so w- where we improved was the look and feel of the space. So we went from you know plastic baskets to you know customizable boats that we've designed ourselves. The trays that we serve branded. it on, yeah, the branded all all that stuff was stuff in the in the way. It grew. I mean, the first time we opened our our restaurant, our cash register didn't have um, a printer on it. It didn't. Uh, it all it did is ring up money. Like it didn't. You know, there was no POS. Everything was done on paper tickets. So we evolved in that way. But you know, if you like, I said, if you look at the brand, you look at pictures from day one of Doghouse. 
it's it's just a little brother. I guess what I was getting at is um, how long did it take you to lock everything in? Because as a franchise, oh, one of the things that you can't have is any differences between locations, right? Like you need to yeah. be consistent. Yeah. So how long did it take for you guys to really lock it in? And then is that like when you started saying we can we can <clears throat> make more of these? Like what did that look like? No, I wish that was the case. We started <laughs> doing that after we became a franchise. Uh, actually, uh, what the very first franchise ever opened. The franchisees become a good friend of mine. Um, and I remember uh, talking to him. We just had our first first franchisee conference about a month ago, about five, six weeks ago. That's awesome. And I remember telling him, we shouldn't be friends. Like, you should hate our guts. Like, because we were not as prepared to be who we were supposed to be when you opened up your first store. So just like simple example is first store, uh, first franchisee opened back then. What year was the first franchise open? Um my son is six years old, so it two, was our, uh, five five years ago. So 2014. 2014. So you went from one location in 2010 to two locations in 2011, three locations 11 and a half, 2011 2000, and no, a half. 2012. 2012, exactly, yeah. okay. And then how many more did you open before deciding to franchise? That was it. Three, we opened our, our three corporate stores, and we focused on the uh, the particulars of uh, franchising, and then we opened, you know, we, we were very fortunate enough that we had um, customers interested in being franchisees. I'm going to make a note to that, that uh, on how you were under prepare or under uh, serving your franchisees by not giving them everything. Is that, is that kind of what you were getting at? Like you kind oh, of felt oh sure yeah. as franchise. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make a note that we're, we're going to come back to that, but I want, well, let's, let's, let's identify okay. the, the, the scaling from one to two to three yeah. and what the lessons were there. Um, not, I mean, I think the lesson was we we're lucky. We we're fortunate. Business was good. And so, what we did is we tried different things. I mean, you're sitting in our second uh, second doghouse, which our first doghouse was 1,400 square feet, had no alcohol, didn't even have beer and wine. Um, and the second one we opened was the doghouse beer garden. We thought, hey, let's see what doghouse looks like with a bar in it, right? Much bigger space, has a bar, completely different environment, same food, identical menu. That was interesting. Then we tried a, you know, we didn't know really what fast casual meant. It was really well, How did you even know it was ready to go to number two? Um, I don't know. I don't know or? if it was a matter of ready to go, but we were we we had the idea that if doghouse in our heads, it seemed like a cool place and it seemed like a good idea. And when we opened, I think our our customers um, validated that feeling. So the idea was really well. Nobody's doing this like you know in this. Everybody was doing the better burgers, and as we've seen, there's a lot of other different concepts that have exploded. No, nothing's really happened in the hot dog and sausage space. Yeah. So we're like, why don't, you know, we might have to go pretty fast. We thought that we needed to accelerate so that we can be ahead. I don't know if that was necessarily um, true or not, but that's how we felt. And so we we pushed it. Um, and lots of people open, you know, one restaurant a year or something. But for us, that was, that was a lot because we're still doing other things at the time. You know, Doghouse, when it opened, by the time we got to Doghouse... Um, by the time we got into franchising, so now this is like year three or four, yep. we all had other jobs. By other jobs, I mean we had other businesses. Okay. Not until we decided to be a franchisor did we all commit 100% Ooh, that of our time. scary, huh? Yeah. Well, it was scary, <laughs> it was, but it's fun, too. Yeah. Doghouse is fun. I mean, the, there's a difference in being opening a, owning a restaurant and being a franchisor. Your, your um, responsibilities change a lot. You know, mm-hmm. what you do on a day-to-day basis changes a lot. 
back in the beginning when we had doghouse and was and there was no franchisees i'd walk in the morning create an item write it on a chalkboard sell it as the special of the day or you know jerry who's worked with us since the day we opened he'd come up with an item we sell it a special day like we could do whatever we wanted because there was you know there's no we weren't going to hurt anybody yeah. now it like everything is it takes time it's a little more cumbersome it's uh it's a little harder and 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 rightfully so, but it's harder to do things and be that you know be yeah. that nimble. So when did you know you had a winner? When did you know you had a, a winning formula and that this is something that you can double down on? When did you? Was there a number you hit, or is there? Thir- well, the third after the third restaurant, we felt wow, we've had three you know you know successes, and so we felt we have something that I think people are interested in. That, and I what, think what the very first a success. How did you identify it as? Was it the numbers that you were? Like, yeah. I, by success, it was a business success, and we felt it was a model worth worth uh, exploring and yeah. expanding. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had tons of requests for franchising. Are you guys a franchise? Are, do you franchise? And that's a franchise? great symbol. When people assume that you're a franchise because yeah. of how well you're operating your business, that's a the ultimate compliment. Isn't, it's a funny. It's a funny uh, that what you just said is interesting because most people relate franchising to. It's frightening and yeah. because, you know, you're going to lose control, but also you associate franchising to consistency. And, yeah. and so people have two different definitions of it. We had the same feeling as you did. Like, wow, franchises are, we're going to lose our soul. We're going to, you know, we're going to lose control. And at the same point, we're like, what are the most consistent restaurants in the world? Think what you want about anything. But Subway is the most consistent restaurant. McDonald's is the most consistent restaurant. These are 100% franchisee-owned. They don't own any of their own stores. So that was, uh, you know, that's when we felt store number three. After store number three, we said, we got to figure out a way to expand. We wanted to still go fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, to accelerate growth, we thought the best avenue was going to be for franchising. And, um, but at that time, we still didn't want to be a franchise. So very random random act Cossum's cousin sitting at a bar with his wife and the couple sitting next to him happens to be uh you know through conversation he's a consultant he helps he helps restaurants turn into franchises interesting he got the guy's card he came he told Cossum one day while they're playing golf hey if you guys are ever interested in franchising you should call this guy we're like let's call the guy but we have no interest in franchising but it's good to learn because we keep being asked yeah. about it so on the way there we're like we're never gonna do it on the way out <laughs> we're like we're fucking doing it. what was it that changed your mind it was the mindset. <clears throat> the mindset changed once we realized that you're not going to lose your soul because it's just it's 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 up to what you want to put out there. It's up to what you want to hold as standards for your brand, and really, it's up to the kind of people that you bring on as franchisees. Perfect example is you know Nima. Nima. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's fucking great. I mean, this guy's a he's a monster, and he's and he's great at what he does. And Nima. This is, I think, the most fascinating part about franchising. You could take everything about franchising and, and think whatever you want about it, but you're taking a bunch of entrepreneurs, and I'm used to partnerships, right? And so is Andre, and so is Cosm, because there's three of us. And then you partner one at a time with entrepreneurs and people that we probably couldn't have uh, like afforded to hire. So you really, I mean, franchising is highly collaborative. As much as it, everybody on the outside thinks it's like the franchisor creates these really Command strict rules. Yeah, like, and they're like the, you you're, know, you're locked into the franchise. Fist. It's not as beautiful as you thought it was. Yeah. The truth is, is it's really, it's collaborative, right? The number one sold sandwich in the history of this world is the Big Mac. Yeah. Created by a fucking franchisee. Yeah. What happens if McDonald's says, I'm never going to put that out because I don't want to, you know, I don't listen to franchisees or it's our way or the highway. They listened. 
it worked. Highly successful. Same with, I mean, we're friends with Rick and Elise Wetzel, and I think the number one selling item at Wetzel's Pretzels is created by a franchisee. They gave us that advice very early on. Listen to your franchisees. It'll make a big difference. Yeah, so is this, the person that's giving you this advice, is this the consultant that you ran into? No, no, no. The, the consultant, um, he's the one that helped us do the, the, the legal part of creating okay. the franchise disclosure document and the things that were really uh, you know, frightening to us yeah. and, and things that we had no idea about. I want to, I mean, there are some slimy people out there that help with franchising, quote unquote, help with franchising. They'll charge you through the nose to, yeah. to get it done. Um, be wary of those. Uh, who's, who's the name of the company? Or share the name uh, it of the was company. a franchise growth partner. His name was Scott Simzik. Okay. It was really good for maybe, us. Maybe we can put that in the show notes. Yeah. Give these guys a yeah, shout yeah. out. This guy but was, don't was, go to anybody. Us, <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is we didn't look at anybody else because we, we didn't know any different. Yeah. yeah. We went and we met with him. We felt comfortable. We feel like he helped us understand what we were getting into. Um, we walked in not knowing anything and we walked out and became a franchise and we felt like we at least understood the the game plan yeah right? i think i think that's one thing there's a bunch of things you should outsource in the restaurant industry anything legal anything um For sure. like maybe like a cpa anything that's just like a, a technical skill that you can outsource to get it out do it i think when you when you're franchising that's definitely one of those things that needs to fall under that category like you will lose more money trying to do it on your own than you will investing and, in an expert. Yeah. To well, do the, the other part the that time. helped us was there's two ways of going about it. It's really a legal document, so an attorney could do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we used a, we used a consultant, and we felt he he was previously a franchisor, so he was able to share with us his prior experiences, how he dealt with franchisees. Um, and that uh, the landscape really helped us kind of understand what we were getting into. So when we when we I want to say when we graduated into being a franchisor, we at least knew that, you know, that process. And then it was up to us on how we were going to, you know, how we were going to be and who we were going to be as, as, as our own brand. Um, and, and I feel like that, you know, we'll go back to Paul and our first franchisee, but we knew what we were supposed to do. We just didn't know exactly how to do it. And I think, um, and, he, and, you know, you could ask him, maybe you could have him on the podcast one day, but he, uh, you know, he felt it because it was really challenging because, you know, thankfully it wasn't because his business was slow, it was because his business was busy and we didn't prepare him to, to be good at being busy, mm. which I think is the most important thing you find, you know, the number one excuse usually in restaurants is like, oh, how come that failed? You know, how come the service failed? How come the quality failed? How come the cleanliness failed? Oh, we were busy. The truth is you're supposed to be really good when you're busy. Otherwise, you're not going to be busy. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that sounds like... Uh, so this is the first uh, franchisee that you were talking about where you said you should hate us because we didn't set you up. Yeah, there's no right. reason why we should be friends, but we are. So what does setting somebody else, setting them upright look like? So back then, we still had the belief that we were going to make every single thing in the store because we didn't have scale. And uh, so what was different was we didn't take into consideration that we had been doing this for four years. So the idea of doing it for the first time ever, you know, we grew into Doghouse. We didn't open up Doghouse and have lines wrapped around the door like this franchise was fortunate enough to have. So franchisee. So when he, um, you know, we, our training program was two days instead of, uh, so this is how it kind of broke <laughs> down. It's really funny. The first franchise E was trained for seven days in our restaurant. And then when we opened his restaurant, we showed up on Thursday afternoon. We opened up on Saturday morning okay. to a free house dog day where we gave out over a thousand hot dogs. Damn, yeah. Um, 
Why, and, was that was that strategy to shock and awe? Like, big, yeah, well, the strategy was definitely to shock and awe to say, like, look how well you know, yeah. look how much you can actually do. Um, all we did is you know really hurt him, <laughs> you know, like physically hurt him. I mean, it was the guy who was beating up, and like a bunch of ding dongs. We actually left the next day. Our entire operations team left on Sunday morning. We're like back home. In fact, it was my very first Father's Day, and uh, so our, our first franchise opened in Canoga Park. On Topanga Canyon, my brother-in-law at the time lived at a on a house in Topanga Canyon, and so I told my sister, my wife, um, I know it's my first Father's Day. I just had my son. Uh, we're going to my brother's house. I was sitting in the pool. I'm like, I'm going to take my doghouse T-shirt and a hat just in case Paul calls me. And so he does. I'm in the pool. I remember, and he calls me, and he's like, "Dude, we are getting <laughs> murdered." I mean, murder. It's like hour and a half wait for food. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, babe, I got to go. I jumped out of the pool, drove. Luckily, it's on literally on the same street. I called Cossum. Cossum drives from Simi Valley. Smart, you know, opening a place that you can get to quickly if you need to. I think that's one thing when you're when you're scaling early on. Like, oh yeah, you need to be able to get to places with within a half With, hour yeah we needed know? to be able to get there and and the and the truth is i think it's the not to pat ourselves on the back but we did we went even though we fucked up we went <laughs> and i and that's what i think we showed paul which is why he doesn't hate us because even though he should have been like you fucking dickheads like how did you not think to train us longer like really a, a day and a half of training of my entire <laughs> staff to open a brand new restaurant that's how uh, you know. So more training would have been something that you would. Have. What else? Yeah, would so you now, have done so now to we train instead of seven days in our restaurant, we train them for for over twenty. Wow! And then uh, at grand opening, instead of training for a day and a half, we train for two weeks. Wow! Right. So these are things that we learned, and like you just said, if you're not close, we're not opening restaurants that are close to us anymore, right? We open one. Well, yeah, up but you surrounded yourself. You built your team, so you can. Yeah. Other so people. now, so now we're there longer. We're more thoughtful about our approach. We don't do the free house dog day on the very first day we open. We do it, you know, seven days later. So we give their team because the other thing we did is even after we started expanding our training, one thing that we did was um, we noticed that even though we were training them better, we felt more comfortable about them. The employees were just going through too much of a. it was too shocking. Drinking from a fire hose, kind of. Yeah, I mean, they were getting they were getting their asses kicked, <laughs> yeah. and even though we're there to help and stay there to help for another two weeks, the one thing they they were quitting, and so now franchisees are now having oh, to man. deal with with uh, employees leaving. So we started changing things around. The good the good news is that we um, you know we have improved. I believe we have improved. And what things did you change? This is huge. I mean, our jobs as restaurant owners and operators is to give everybody else the tools and services they need to be successful at their jobs, right? So, what things did you start giving your people to get them to stick around longer? Say that again. So, how are you empowering your your teammates, your your players, right, to to not have such a high turnover? They were you said people were leaving, they were quitting because they were yeah. overwhelmed. What things did you give them, enable them with, empower them with? We did. We, we like approached it in two ways. One of them was um, making the job easier, right? What can we do as a brand, as a uh, restaurant operator? What can we do to make the job easier? Because the one thing that you re- like gets. Uh, you know, it gets lost in translation is inevitably you end up like with a team of really great people. We've had, we've been fortunate enough to, through time, you know, you end up the, the great stay, the other ones leave, and then you built up this team. By the time we became a franchisor, we had this like roster of really badass dudes. And the truth is that not everybody's going to be the best person that's ever, you know, worked a single position. So now you're trying to teach 
people not only for the first time of different skill sets and different uh, you know different places in their lives how to be you know how to do this job and how to do that job so we had to look at it and go okay how do I make this job easier because not everybody's going to be like Jerry who's worked with us since day one so we went through a process and we definitely um, you know when we cut down on prep time cut down on the amount of products we had started really being more thoughtful in the way we crafted our menu and created it we you know the way we built our restaurants the marketing approach all these things we looked at and we said how do we make this a little bit easier and, and simpler to... And the compounding effect. You do a little here, a little there, a little here, and over time, it becomes much yeah. easier. And then you look back and you go, oh, do you remember when we <laughs> used to, you know, two guys used to have to walk in the restaurant at 6 a.m. in the morning, and now we can open the restaurant at 9.30 with one guy, right? Yeah. Like, these are things that you start, you start learning as you go on. Um, the other thing we did is we started uh, investing in some technology and, and tools that we... All be, become available to you as you grow. Yeah, you don't have yeah. the the means to get these things when you're young. You don't have company. the means. You don't have the you know. You don't have the the knowledge and, and 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 maybe you have all those things. And that's why sometimes when people open up their second or third brands, they they open up a lot more mature than when you open up your first one. Mm-hmm. And you and your intention was really never to open thirty five in, yeah. in a few years. So, so you went from uh, from 2010 to eleven, the second location, and eleven and a half or 2012 was the third. Uh, then the fourth location was the franchise. Uh, that was 2014. 2014. Yep. Uh, or was it, yeah, that was the fourth location, right? Um, when did you start really leaning in? Because from in the past five years, you've opened an additional 36 yeah. or 35. Uh, when did you say, we got it? We got, we got, we still don't. Well, you must have figured, you must have come a long way in the past five years to, to start turning out stores at this rate. Yeah. I mean, how, how many stores are opening in a year now? Um, we're, we're, we're out on pace to be like 10 next year. We're supposed to have a, you know, seems like a very good year. I think we're going to do double that. I think we're going to open about 20. Yeah. Um, we're also doing some, uh, you know, non-traditional locations. So other than the 20 we were open, we're doing, you know, we're, uh, we're in the ghost kitchen space or virtual kitchen space or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I've been working with kitchen United. We're opening up a bunch of kitchen United's next year. Um, so and we're you know we're partnered with Live Nation. We open up in uh, seventeen. Open up a whole another can of questions. Can of worms. We have to come back uh, maybe yeah. another time. Um, so when when did you? At what point did you know you could start increasing the rate of opening? How do you know it's time to really start leaning into the, the model? Uh, I, I think what really changed is so our our team is pretty much if you look at our team that was there when we opened our first locations for the franchisees and the, and the ones that we're opening now still very similar. But the, but the franchisees are, are different. Um, that's really where we really sped up is as we start adding on really good quality franchisees. Um, and I don't mean good quality by um, experience. I mean quality by like they understand, you know, they're either business minded or they are, you know, they're aggressive in, in, a, in, a, you know, in a good way. And they want to push and they want to open and they want to be successful. We, we, I think that's the thing that has happened in the in the most recent um, past, so you are attracting onto yourself the right franchisees because of the success you're happening with the first few locations. Yeah. So once you yes, what's the filter look like? Because you you said earlier the most important thing is people. Yep. Um. How how are you making sure these people that are that you're entrusting your hard earned brand with right you put a lot of time and energy to develop this brand uh and you have a lot of soul uh you said your biggest fear was selling your soul right losing your soul how how are you making sure that these things aren't going to the wayside when you're expanding when you're bringing more people on how do you know they're the right fit well i mean i wish there was a you know a, a test we could give them or uh you know um 
you know, just a Q and A, but I, but it's really just about connecting with people. And, I, and we do it just the same way we would do hiring a new employee, or we would bring on a new vendor, or we would bring on uh, a franchisee. It's really do they fit in the culture? By fitting in the culture is, do you like us? Right? Do you want to work with us? Because there's going to be tough times. There's going to be great times. Like, are we going to do this together? Can we care about each other? Can we fight for each other? Can we do all these things together? That's really. It's hard to. Um, put that into words or to you know do that in, in test form but so we do it over a little bit of time and we do it together as a group franchise potential franchisees we have somebody coming in tomorrow actually um very successful operator one of the biggest mcdonald's franchisees in the past no longer is a mcdonald's franchisee but the fact that a he's interested in doghouse that's that's, that's pretty a, cool that's a sign yeah that's yeah. pretty cool yeah but at the end of the day some of our best stores are you know, owned and operated by people that have never owned franchises. So I don't know where the, you know, it's great to have prior experience and et cetera, but the, we're going to find out tomorrow by spending probably about 12 to 14 hours with this guy. Does he want to be a part of doghouse? And do we want him to be a part of doghouse? Not because he's going to ask the right questions about operations or marketing. It's going to be, you know, does he want to be a part of this, these group of people that are going to, you know, work their asses off. I and mean, we used to say this when I was in judo, I started judo, uh, when I was 18 years old and my sensei always used to say, we're going to go across people that are, that have been doing it longer, but you're going to be stronger. That's the one thing I can, and you're going to fight harder. Those are the two things he said, I can guarantee you because you're going to meet people that know, know more than you do and have done it longer than you do. And that's kind of our motto at doghouse too is like, what we will lack in experience, we're going to make up for an effort. And heart. Yeah. And heart. I and so it. that together as a group, if you want to be a part of that, and hopefully we're going to create something and start something special, and we're going to look back, and it's not going to be 35, it's going to be 100, it's going to be 200, or 1,000. Who knows where it goes? There's going to be people we're going to look back and go, it's because of them, right? Mm-hmm. It's because of the Nemas. It's, it's going to be because of even like Paul. Paul, who's, who I said should you know not like me. It's because of these things, and as a group, as a team... You know, I think there's going to be some some success. So there's, a, I mean, you're still a young company, a young franchise. Oh, a yeah. um, lot of po- like, there's a lot of positive energy around you because of it. Because there's a lot of the excitement with new things, right? Um, what is what is your plan? I, I like to say behind every great restaurant, it's a great person. And as as a concept or as a restaurant group scales, um, that person ha- has to lift everybody up, right? Um, it starts with lifting up their franchisees so they can lift up their employees, right? What do you plan on doing to have that same level of impact with a few people in your life right now that when you get to 60 locations, how are you going to have that same impact? How are you going to raise these people up when you have to lift up more people? What's your plan of having that same uh presence within your company when you when the company is much bigger well you know we we had that question when we had three and we saw the same question when we have 35 and we're gonna have 50 and we have 60 and i I think it's through you know the the truth is is there's not going to be a lot of the three of us but it isn't about the three of us it's about everybody Mm. in this company and as long as we continue to not only bring in the right staff on the doghouse side you know on the corporate side and i hate to say the word corporate but on, on that side and we partner with the right franchisees because once you partner with the right franchisee, that franchisee is a part of you. Yeah. Right? So now we're like, there's every time we add the right, the right franchisee, our company gets bigger and stronger and they help each other. Yeah. We have a group of franchisees that, you know, in our last, we just did our first ever franchise conference. And uh, Andre had a cool idea and he brought up on stage three operators that are, are successful for three different reasons. Nima's one of them. 
Cossum's brother in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, um, Faison. He's another. And then we have an operator in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth um, in, in uh, Richardson in Arlington, Texas. His name is Ron Ryan. Ron Ryan comes from a long history of restaurants, ran the Maggiano's brand, worked for Brinker. Faison is, uh, works for Microsoft. He's in, uh, he's in technology. And, and Nima, he's got this incredible sales background. I mean, that guy should be leading a, you know, a team of salesmen to take over the world. All these guys have three different skill sets, and they are incredibly helpful to us. Yeah. They talk to each other. They actually point. work together. They have inspired. So when they're on stage, they talked about what they do differently. We could have talked to our fucking face turned blue, and we could have done it for a week. That hour with those franchisees talking to their peers was the most impactful thing we did. When I say we, they're the ones that did it. That was really what I think you bring up. A, sorry, keep change. Going. Yeah, that's what changed my because I, I, we're still new, right? We're you know you said it, we're we're like babies yeah. in this world. I didn't realize. I don't think I realized fully what we were until I watched them on stage, and then I thought, it's I know what we are. We're just a group of people together that are, and it's not a franchise or franchisee relationship. I mean, I, I like to look at it, it's like one big company, and every time we bring on the right person. They just add to this company and they help us grow. Yeah. And then they help each other grow and they support each other and they and they move forward. I think it's so important. And we talk about a lot on the show. Treating your employees like assets, not just, uh, well, that, that didn't really come out right. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're more than just employees. Like, it's not like Don, uh, Donald Sterling. They're more than just employees. They bring something else. Like, don't look at them as just like a, uh, you know, a cog in the wheel to do the job. Yeah. Because they bring a whole different set yeah, of assets and skills exactly. to the table that you're not, op- if you got to open up the channel of communication. Like what else you got? Yeah, you're good at photography. You're good at marketing. You're good at you know design. Like what can you bring to the table to make us all better? Yeah. And I don't think we're really good at digging deeper beyond the paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much at our disposal. And when you bring it into the franchise level, now you have these people who are successful at life because they have the means to buy into the franchise in the first place. Right. So they're going to be doing something right in life, right? I agree. So they can bring so much more to the table. You got to open up your yourself to the, the the possibilities of what you have at your disposal. Yeah. Uh, this is just a really cool thought there. Um, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it, it's, it's unbelievable when you really start thinking about it, what you can do when you stop thinking. It's easy. I could get lost in the food all day long. Oh, I could talk We're totally about packaging food. this up yeah. and I'm bringing it back to the hotel room. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about food. We could think about food. It could be all about the food. But if you really think about it and you think about all the great successful brands, not all of them is just, you know, it's not about the greatest food ever made. Yeah. It's about something else, right? There's just something you else. You get why this podcast exists now because yeah. you know, you're opening a restaurant. I hope you can fucking cook. Can you do everything else? Well, and that's the thing. It's a very low. It's a low barrier of entry, right? Everybody. Yeah. I mean, you your whole life you hear like, "Oh my God, you make such good food. Why don't you own a restaurant?" And that's great. Obviously, hugely yeah. important that you that you care about your food. But it's what else is there? And yeah. and that what else is when everybody looks at it and go, "How come, you know, my food's better than that guy? How come he's you know he's more?" I just yeah. went to a place the other day where I won't name the name, but I was a. Uh, I was eating a breakfast. I'm obsessed with breakfast burritos. So I'm uh, eating a breakfast best, burrito. Best breakfast burrito in LA. Let me know. Uh, original Tops, okay, in my cool. opinion. Good to know. Good yeah, to know. Original Tops on, uh, on Colorado and Rosemead. It's amazing. But I wasn't eating that one. I was eating another <laughs> one. Uh, if they hear this, they'll be pissed and I was eating the other one. But it, <laughs> I watched these guys sell like 100 breakfast burritos in an hour. And I was like, I know, I know that this isn't the best breakfast burrito in the world. But what is the magic in this place 
And while I'm doing it, I'm seeing like the guy behind the counter talk to everybody, right? And everybody there is familiar and friendly and they're doing an amazing job of it and the food's coming out fast. There was like a hundred different things where I thought maybe the guy who makes one really good breakfast burrito doesn't know how to do the, all the hundred other things that's important. And that always gets lost. Mm. It always gets lost because everybody looks at the one common thing, which is the one thing that everybody thinks is the most important. And the truth is it's all about the people. And I think it's about that, that community and culture you grow. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of loyal, uh, yeah. you know, loyal fans and they believe in it. So the one thing that had me really, really excited about today's conversation, we, we haven't even started talking about it yet. And um, we're, I hope it's okay. We're at an hour of recording time now. Um, you are so good at collaborations. I think that's the one thing you do best or most well uh, is is your ability to go out there and, and to bring on to yourself chefs who have reputation and let them put a little bit of their um, slap a little of their, their, their special sauce on the uh, your menu and really let them elevate the menu and w- what's the thought process of bringing these celebrity chefs on and these collaborations and how has that served your business so um, when we set out one of the things that we found it easy to do was when you have a restaurant we're big believers in, and what we want to do is try to do something good with it as well, right? It's a business and it is hopefully going to be a successful business, but we also have an opportunity to do something with our business in the community that we think can be impactful. So we started by doing, um, by feeding the homeless here in Pasadena at the, at Union Station. It's a homeless shelter, right? We have a restaurant. It's, when you think about it, the cost is very low for the food. Our time was our time. And so we was to go there and help and and that made us, feel good we felt like we were doing something you know positive and so as we grew we it, it became harder to do those things and it became harder to you know expect all of our franchisees to do those types of things because it's really challenging yeah. and stuff we're lucky we have three of us and we have friends yeah. and family and stuff so we wanted to find a charity that we felt that we can get behind that was embedded in the restaurant uh, culture and so we we partnered with no kid hungry no kid hungry is an amazing program feeding you know feeding children that don't have the um, good eye yeah i see why you keep her around now i'm, I, I got, I'm still working on these ones so cheers. cheers so that was one of the things that we wanted to do so we partnered with no kid hungry no kid hungry does work with a lot of chefs and we thought you know i remember talking to the guys i was like i would love and this is, this is where it goes from being hey let's do really good things and and me being kind of you know self-serving because I love the idea of working with the bunch doing of doing good is good business, right? But, doing yeah. good is good business, and and but I also got to fit in a lot of fun with doing good business yeah. because I like the <laughs> idea of working with uh, you know that caliber of chef. So it started with Adam Gertler. He's our worst mocker. He makes all of our dogs and sausages. He's been a part of Doghouse since uh, we opened up our third Doghouse, um, and then we had an opportunity to be a part of the movie Sausage Party um, with Seth Rogen, yep. and then they wanted us to make an item with a uh, New York-based chef. One of our employees was friends with Chef Elon Hall. He won Top Chef Season 2. So we reached out to Elon. I actually had met Elon and uh, knew him a little bit. Um, my wife and I went on our third date at his restaurant nice. in L.A., the Gorbals. Uh, he's an amazing chef. So we got to collaborate with him. That was our first chef collaboration outside of Adam Gertler because Adam Gertler was now a part of the Doghouse team. Through that, Adam, uh, uh, sorry, Elon became a part of Doghouse, and I was like, "Wow, this is really fucking cool." And there was no, um, I don't know if it was the you know the environment or whatever we had created. They they didn't look at each other as threats. There was just part of that's the big thing I'm getting after. Yeah. What I want to learn is like 
you have this business, this successful business, and instead of looking at these other individuals as threats, um, you're opening the doors and saying, what can you bring to the table? What was in it for them aside from, I mean, at this point you had, you're con- pretty, con- you had a good footprint in LA, yeah. right? So they're getting their brand out there. I'm assuming. Sure. That yeah. I think that's definitely, what that's else? definitely helpful. Yeah. But so as we grew and we, and we started sharing like, Oh, this is cool to collaborate with, you know, Adam and Elon are collaborating. They're, they're a part of doghouse. And I was like, this is fucking cool. We have top chef season <laughs> yeah, two winner. Right? Why don't we, why don't we create a chef collaboration series? Let's connect it to our charity because I believe that other people do want to do yeah. good. They just don't always have the opportunity to do it. And so we had the we had the vessel. We had Doghouse. We had a good marketing department. We believe we have a good product. We started partnering with with chefs and said, "Hey, you know, this is a non, you know, we're we're doing it, you know, for charity. We donate, you know, um, from every item that gets sold to the charity." And so you just found a bunch of chefs that cared and yeah. wanted to be a part of that. So what they got out of it, I'm sure there were some benefits they got out of it outside of the fact that they're just good people wanting to do good things. I mean, we've worked with some really cool chefs like Alex Seidel in, um, in uh, Denver and uh, Dean Fearing in, in Texas and obviously Elon. Brooke Williamson, she won uh, Top Chef's almost season. got Alex on the show. I was leaving the town before he's a fucking stud uh, chef. we were able to schedule, but he's on my <laughs> list and hopefully the next trip out to Denver. So he's, he's amazing. He was amazing to work with. Um, Bruce Kalman, who's a friend of mine, he was he, he helped actually put the first nice. uh, the first year together. So it was just fun, and I think there's I think the the cool thing is when you're doing it like this, there's no egos. Um, I I I personally don't sit there and I go want to put secret. my finger on everything and is, go I made this, this is all me, blah blah blah. It's, it's ooh, all everybody. I think that was the secret is no egos, lose the ego, make it about something greater, right? And it kind of lowers the yeah. The defense, yep. right, and then a lot of and pick the right and pick the right people that that believe that way. So, with the collaborations, how much freedom do the chefs get? I'm kind of curious how we can re- recreate this type of collaboration in our own business. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to recreate? That we kind give of very loose um, guidelines. Is is that just like we did in the beginning? We want it to be doghouse, mm-hmm. right? So, we serve hot dogs, we serve sausages, we serve burgers, we serve it on King's wine rolls. That's what we want it to be now. We made fried chicken sandwiches and the, you know, so what, what's pretty cool about what we do is, for example, a sausage. If you're a chef and you're a creative chef, you could look at a sausage and go, that's just a really well-balanced meal all put <laughs> together in a, in a, you know, in a tubing. Uh, and I think so what happened was like create within that small boundary, but we'll, we won't and what we have not done is like, we try to source anything they ask us for. I mean, I think we did uh, for Alex's actually. We we bought feta that he made himself from the farm from the farms that he has nice. in uh, in Colorado. That kind of thing. So we want the identity of the chef to be there in in our way. <clears throat> we want them to be creative and have fun with it yeah. because we want it to not be a, a miserable process. Yeah, we want our customers to be excited and and uh, happy. At the end of the day, we want our we want our franchisees to feel like this is a really cool thing that they could get behind because every item they sell, you know, we do better for the charity that yeah. we're that we're participating with, and on and on and on. And what's really cool is we did it last year, all year. We did six of them. We did them for two months at a time, which was a pretty long time. But this year we did the same thing. We did um, in the first four, which we only did one month at a time. We've raised more money this year because now we're just kind of getting better at it. Yeah. And now our customers are getting to, you know, wait and anticipate like the, you know, the turducken. We just did the October worst. Yeah. 
we did, um, and then we did our first thing where we kind of broke the mold and went out of the uh, doghouse box. And uh, Chef Chris O, who's done two collaborations with us, great fucking chef to work with, extremely talented local LA guy. He uh, he did um, chicken wings. We did uh, we did wings, which is nice. something I'm. I think the other with. the other variable here that's worth kind of highlighting is that at, I think one of the reputations a, a franchise has, like you mentioned earlier, you're afraid of losing your soul. Uh, there tends to be less focus on the food, right? Um, these are these are room, like these are uh, stereotypes. I'm not saying this is you guys. Obviously, no, no, you've, no. you've risen but above it, no, that. Part of it. But I think by bringing these chefs on, these these acclaimed chefs. Right, you're tying your brand to the the high quality of these individuals, so it kind of t- it gives you it injects that soul back into the business, yeah. and it, it shows that you aren't just another uh, corporation out there looking at the bottom line. Like you care about quality, well, yeah. and, and, we, and we have to look at yeah, we have to look at the bottom line because at the end of the day, yeah. we're not it's not our stores anymore; it's other people's stores. So we care about that, but we also care, like you said, because now we know we can. Right, mm-hmm. we can be of higher quality. We can, you know be different we don't have to be the supply chain is really a, a complicated part about expanding i was curious about that i it's didn't want really, to abuse your time do you yeah. want to weigh in and how you're keeping the because you do you, you guys put a lot of thought into how you source sustainability yeah. or like really good quality products uh sourced uh what's the word um with there's a there's a filter there you know there, yeah. there's a filter for it's there, thoughtful for sure. and we're and we're you know what i remember when we opened up our first restaurant, I didn't have it. I wasn't even married. Andre didn't have a baby. And Qasim had just had his daughter, Yasmin, who was, I think, a few months old. Um, maybe like six months old. And I remember when we opened, pregnant. Uh, if you're pregnant, you shouldn't eat things with nitrates. <laughs> and I was like... That's a lot of nitrates and hot dogs. That's a lot of fucking <laughs> nitrates and hot dogs. And that, that, is that, I mean, is it that bad for you? Cause, and then... You know, uh, Andre had his baby, Kasim had his second, and then I ended up having two. And, and I remember our doctor saying, don't eat while you're pregnant, don't eat things with nitrates. Um, and I thought, that's not, you know, I'm going to have my baby. My mom, my wife's going to stop being pregnant at some point and, you know, whatever. But the thought of us serving something that somebody should not eat yeah, because there's a, there's a health, health risk in it. And I don't know the, you know, I don't know whether it is or isn't or whatnot, but that but these are things that we've the fact been that told. there's a chance is enough. The fact you, that there's yeah. a chance and, and I don't want to take it. So we worked hard to to remove that out of our hot dogs and sausages. So we don't we don't put nitrates in our in our dogs and sausages. Same with our burgers, right? We don't when we were pregnant, the doctor was like, Don't and this is kind of where it all stemmed from. We have children, we're you know, we're married, we have children, we have families and we're like, don't serve this to to them, hormones are bad. Antibiotics are bad. Don't do that. So we went out, partnered with Creekstone Farms. Our burgers, our dogs, our sausages, all the meat we serve in the restaurant has no hormones and no antibiotics. That was something that was, it's not, we didn't do it to say it. We did it to do it. First, again, like I said, like we had, we had children and we wanted our, yeah, we want, you know, I know that my partner's wife wouldn't have taken uh, their kids same with my wife and, my, and and Andre's wife. They don't want to take our kids to places that serve you know meat with hormones and antibiotics. So you said the challenge was going to be <clears> to scale <throat> this, right? The, the scale, scale the level of uh, integrity that you've put into this this product. What's the challenge there? The challenge is is cost, right? Because now you still have to, like we said, you know, you know, the bottom line is going is important. 
Yeah, but now it's um, not coming down the street. It's coming from across the country. If you're and now we have restaurants all the way across the yeah. uh, across the country, and we're hopefully one day going to open restaurants, you know, in other parts of the world. And so, really, the supply chain and so as as you go, you start creating um, the types of relationships that you have with your employees. You have them with your franchisees. You create them with the vendors. So, are you creating this recipe and giving it to other like manufacturers that can? Recreate it under your under your um, guidelines under your yes criteria yeah, absolutely. That- so we we partnered with you know for example our, our, our local distributor. Um, we work with them from you know very early on. Uh, Vitco Vitco Foods. The owner has become a good friend. He understands our business. He he feels and thinks the same way. He helps us find other partners around the country that yeah. can do the same thing that he does. We we kind of facilitate our own supply chain. Yeah. We actually pay for it because we we feel like franchisee and you know uh, Clifton Park, New York shouldn't have to pay more for the hot dog just because of freight and whatever. We yeah. we eat that part of it. So those are things that we do, and then we and then we've we found partners that you know make the sauces for us with our recipes, with the types of ingredients yeah. we want. Same with our dogs and sausages, et cetera. And I think that's the answer to this challenge is de- is decentralizing the system. Yep. Uh, whereas right now. I think a lot of the big, bigger companies have a centralized system that ships everything out. But if you can spread out the the you know, if you can outsource to different manufacturers, given the the specs and the 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 guidelines, and have them get in on the business. Now you're you're not it's it's spreading out the wealth too. It's spreading out the love, so more people are winning. More right. It's it's more of a I don't know uh, ecosystem of business. Right. Uh, maybe that's I don't really I can't really speak much to that to be honest. I don't know much. <laughs> I don't know much about it, but I would love to know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. No, well, I mean, so we have one guy who makes our dogs and sausages. We have one guy that makes our sauces. We have one guy that, uh, you know, obviously our bread comes from uh, King's Hawaiian. Um, you know, one person makes all of our, our fried, uh, like, tots and fries Those and things like that. tots are so good, by Thanks the way. <laughs> you just reminded me they're on the Get table. in there, yeah. yeah. So those are things that are important to us. And um, as we grow, I think we have partners that we were fortunate enough to... I think oh. we have partners that we were fortunate enough to partner with us that believed in Doghouse way before they should have believed in Doghouse, yep. right? Like guys that were making stuff for us that, you know, no three restaurant uh, brands should have had. You yeah. know, I don't think we should have had that happen for us. We got really lucky and, and we still work with them today and, and we are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an important part. You know, we, we don't do what normal brands do. We don't go out for an RFP every year. Uh, we don't quote out the business and try to you know play that game with them we create relationships we believe in uh, transparency and we work together to hopefully love it build a better brand together this conversation keeps on going going and it's so easy uh the the conversation it just keeps flowing i love it Uh, we got to think about getting to the speed round but before we do i gotta ask one more question and uh the, the mission statement of restaurant unstoppable is to inspire empower and transform the industry and i do that by making an example of folks like you but how have you transformed who are you today versus the man you are getting into this industry? How have you transformed? Um, well, th- this might not exactly answer the question, but I was just at a uh, the Marketing Innovation and Technology Summit in uh, Austin, Texas, with um, the co-founder of One Huddle. It's a technology that we're using to help train our um, franchisees and their staff throughout the country using gamification. It's an amazing, interesting. Yeah, it's a ama- it's an amazing platform. And I thought that's the most interesting thing that anybody has ever asked me to be a part of because I am so behind on technology. <laughs> I absolutely, 
nothing to add in that world. But I did believe in the ability to connect down the line all the way through because the biggest challenge in franchising, when I, I know and I feel that uh, people are the most important thing, the end of the day, franchisees hire their staff. We come in, we train them. There's a lot of there's still turnover. We're, you know, we're minimizing that and we're reducing it by hopefully creating better jobs and training them better and giving them better tools. But I might not meet a lot of these people. By my, by might not, I won't. And by you know, um, a lot of these people, it's almost all of them, right? Mm. So there's like you know who's doing fries and who's you know cooking burgers and who's working the cashier across the country. We're we're adopting tools like One Huddle to be able to talk to people and connect with them and um, be able to share a culture, like funny things, um, you know, important brand things. So I never thought about that stuff before, and I've been forced to because I'm, you know, we are forced to as a company, Andre, Costa, myself, we're all forced to improve the things that we are supposed to be, you know, overseeing. And I think that's uh, so. How, how have I changed? I'm. I think I'm adopting uh, <laughs> I'm adopting technology a little bit, it. and I didn't think I would. Great stuff. This has been a great free-flowing conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll bust out a true speed round. We'll be right back. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on Prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Me personally? Yeah. Um, I get back to everybody. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? I, I want to say anything that doesn't sound, sound self-serving, like uh, I'm a perfectionist or anything like that. <laughs> uh, my biggest weakness is I don't shut off. Mm. I get that. You might, you might be still, but your mind's still going, right? Yeah, I, I think it would be helpful if I was... Um, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day actually about just how... Why it was important to... Like, for example, athletes, guys like uh, Tiger Woods or um, um, Nadal, had that different backgrounds. One trained in only one sport, one trained in a, in a hundred different sports, and they're both the best in class, and I think it would be cool to stop thinking about food and you know restaurant things and really start kind of expanding not only good for the business but i think good for my family for example personally my children things like that i love it that wasn't one word but (laughs) it's fine oh what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process it's not a question but the thing is is uh like i talked about earlier it's people Mm. and what exactly are are you looking for in a person do you care are you thoughtful what is your biggest challenge today um, thinking small and being, you know, bigger than we were. How are you overcoming that? Uh, 
I think you answered it earlier, being open to technology, right? Yeah, opening to technology, open to uh, opinions of others, franchisees, etc. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, a way to be. A thousand percent know that the people that you are working with invested their lives into it and take it fucking seriously. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. A way to go above and beyond what's expected from your guest. So for Doghouse, you know, as a franchisor, our guests are our customers, our franchisee. Um, one thing that we do is we care about them. We care about their employees. It's taboo in franchising to really get connected to the employees of your franchisees. Um, we think it's important for us to connect all the way down. So mm. it is taboo in our industry, but we don't we don't actually I wonder why. agree with it. It's well, all legalities. We, we can unpack that later. Yeah, <laughs> a different all legalities. <laughs> uh, what is one a book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Thought about this earlier. I have three restaurant books that I'm absolutely loved. One was Restaurant Man. Uh, the other one is Kitchen Confidential, but I think the most impactful is Setting the Table, Dana yeah. Meyer. And all three of those books are on Audible. So if yeah. you guys are not listening to audiobooks, I'm telling you it's a game changer. Especially these because uh, um, Joe Bastianich. I think they all narrate. Oh, they they all narrate, narrate it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they do. You're right. Um, and you can Anthony get these Bourdain, books. I yep. mean, what, a, what an amazing oh, book. Yeah, yeah. All, all those books are great books. Must read if you're in this industry. And uh, you can get, if you are not a member of Audible yet, if you have not signed up for Audible, head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. You can get your first book on Restaurant Unstoppable. Uh, and you will be supporting the show. So thank you very much. Do it. Do it. (laughs) What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Well, uh, I think we get um, bogged down by the thing that seems to be the most important. Like we talked about earlier food. And I think what's the most important it, and this is a very uncommon belief, but it isn't the customer. It's the employee. Because if you think that, if your entire focus is on the customer, you just skip the step, right? Mm. The person in the middle. Sorry, that's my wife's uh, phone. <laughs> She's like, where are you? <laughs> if you skip the, if you go straight to the customer, which is obviously incredibly important, you're missing the person who's actually um, supposed to relay that message. The most important thing is, is the employees. I love it. Uh, what is one piece of technology? We kind of already t- touched on this one. one here. Yeah. Um, and again, that is just a tool for you to connect with your uh, team members as you scale, yep. um, basically, is the way I understood that. It kind of reminds me of another one out there that comes up a lot on the show is uh, Wisetail, past sponsor of the show. Interesting. Similar. You um, should check. One Huddle is interesting because the, uh, the stats on how people retain information through standardized learning is really poor. And the way we came across it was me trying to figure out how to measure if we were even of value. We as, as uh, like, op, like franchisors and my ops team you know, in particular, you know, are, are they teaching something that's lasting? Are, are they being impactful? Like, do we make a difference? Or is really the only thing that happens that we, we bring on a good franchisee and, and when they're good, they're good and they're bad, they're bad. So I wanted something where I could say, okay, we're going to teach. And when we teach, you're going to retain. And when you retain... You're going to like your job more, right? You're going to be a happier person yep. because the truth is a good a job that you like is life changing. You know, sounds yeah. sounds corny, but the you know you wake up and you're happier. You go to work, you're happier. Come home, you're happier because of it. You're nicer to your friends, you're nicer to your spouse, you're nicer to your children, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so how how can we how can we teach them in a way that they're going to feel you know more fulfilled? And at the end of the day, all by accident, just by playing a bunch of games on your phone about how to build a hot dog or clean the fryer or um, customer service, et cetera, 
you're gonna you're going to do something better for the franchisee you know the the owner of that restaurant because you're gonna do a better job at your job and your guests are gonna be happier et cetera. yeah yep. i love it i love this is the last question it's a doozy i get oh. a lot of eye rolls for this one so okay. get, get ready for it i'm waiting for your eye roll it's gonna happen i know it is if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the the news or sorry all the memories of you and uh your restaurants and your businesses were lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you can leave behind wow. <laughs> uh, for the good of humanity and for your legacy what were those three things you'd be that you could leave behind uh, things you know to be true about success well i life. guess i would be thinking about my children and what i would want the wisdom i would want and one would be be thoughtful of others that's number one that's number one um be confident in yourself. That's number two. <sighs> number three. Uh, I think be be comfortable with being different. Be mm. comfortable being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being who you are. Yeah. Right. If well, that sometimes means you're different, can be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, thank you so much. This has been a great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So, who do you respect and admire in this industry? Uh, preferably an owner and operator. That's uh, simple for us. Doghouse was very fortunate enough to be um, to be friends with Rick and Elise Wetzel um, of Wetzel's Pretzels and Blaze Pizza. They've been incredibly um, helpful and thoughtful and uh, informative and helped helped us guide us in the on the right path um we are endlessly grateful to them so th- those are the ones that we think are uh, beautiful yeah gentlemen look out just coming us. after you i'd love to get you on the show and uh let the folks at home know how can we connect with you and your team maybe we're interested in joining your team as an employee or as a franchisee what's the best way to connect Oh, there's a bunch of ways. One, you could email me directly, hogop at doghouse.com. Uh, you can email us at wecare at doghouse.com or at uh, franchise.com. Awesome. Franchise at doghouse. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, uh, thanks again for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, thanks, brother. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable in the archive. I hope you all found value in today's conversation. And I could not be more excited to announce that Restaurant Unstoppable is now on video. That's right. I'm not talking about a still cover photo with audio on YouTube. I'm not even talking about a pixelated Skype video with me and my guests in, you know, 3,000 miles apart. I'm talking in person in the restaurant HD video now available on YouTube. And I could not be more excited. And you're going to be like right there with us in the restaurant. You're going to get to see behind the scenes footage, hopefully. And, you know, we've recorded over 50 interviews to date. And I've been taking the restaurant unstoppable now for uh, almost two years. We've been on the road. And the natural evolution is to bring a camera and to, to let you guys see my guests, to let you guys see the restaurant, to let you see the real human connection that's happening there. And uh, I'm just so excited. If you guys want to. See these videos. Here's what you got to do. Head over to YouTube and search Restaurant Unstoppable uh, and then subscribe to future episodes. Or what you can do is head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash whatever episode number it is. And I'll be sure going forward to have a link to that video or to that episode's video on YouTube. And please subscribe. And please, please, please help me spread the word about what what, what I'm doing here with these interviews. Uh, the, the 
you know, the finest, the most successful restaurateurs sharing their knowledge, sharing their values, sharing their stories to transform the industry, to, to make us all better and to, uh, just, just to, you know, go in the right direction, uh, I cannot be more excited. So again, head over to restaurantstoppable.com, whatever today's restaurant or whatever today's episode number is, or just shoot to uh, YouTube and search restaurant unstoppable and subscribe to the face to face interviews. And uh, also guys, I got to remind you to please subscribe to my emails and to find me on social media. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com is the email social media, Eric Cacciatore in uh, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Uh, cannot wait to connect. And I'm so, so, so excited for the future. This is going to be awesome. All right. Until next time. Peace out.